Hi, I'm Annette Way-Clark and this is the cast from Simspa. In each edition of our podcast, we bring you updates from the team at Simspa, plus some of the great work taking place across the sport and physical activity sector. We hope you enjoy our podcast. In this edition of the cast, Tom Armstrong from Simspa's local delivery team is joined by Susanna Chalice from Active Suffolk to talk about the fantastic work taking place in the county to support skills development. My name is Tom Armstrong, Regional Manager for the local delivery team here at Simspa. Uh, today we are talking with Susanna Chalice from uh, Active Suffolk, who is the Workforce Development Officer Lead. So thank you for talking to us today, Susanna. Oh, thanks, Tom. Um, yeah, so as Tom said, I'm Susanna Chalice. I'm the Workforce Development Lead at Active Suffolk. So Active Suffolk is one of 43 active partnerships and, I, and we're a non-for-profit organisation where we get most of our funding from Sport England. We also receive funding from local authorities in Suffolk. We are committed to increasing the number of people taking part in sport and physical activity and we were formed in 1996 and since then we've developed our role and reputation as a key player in shaping the current and future provision of sport and physical activity across the county. We also work with a wide range of partners, including local authorities, the health and education sectors, charitable and voluntary organisations and third sector organisations to support people in Suffolk to lead healthy, active lives. So we're quite busy. We do lots of stuff from working with children and young people to workforce development, which is my area. And we also do quite a lot of work um, on the health side, working with um, ICBs, etc. Not too much then. Yeah, we're quite busy. <laughs> <laughs> Excellent stuff. So um, can you today, can you tell us about the, the Active Skills uh, project that, that yep. you've been leaning on? Yep. So back in, I think it was 2021, in partnership with a wide range of stakeholders and business organisations, we developed a sector skills strategy, which was actually following an East Region skills pilot, which was facilitated by SIMSPA, which was really helpful. So the strategy utilised a needs-led, evidence-based approach and was developed through consultation with a large number of employers, the workforce and key stakeholders, including further education providers, SIMSPA, local authorities, the University of Suffolk, the Department for Work and Pensions, our chamber, the LEP and the Suffolk Growth Partnership. Following that, the consultation provided us with um, the national sort of leading insight into the skills shortages across the sector and resulted in us um, producing six headline recommendations for the next five years to develop a workforce that was customer-centric, inclusive, and also equipped with the right skills to initiate meaningful behaviour change and realise those wider health and um, socio-economic benefits. So we launched that strategy in November 2021, which was allowing us to develop that workforce and address those key skills gaps, which obviously had widened during the COVID pandemic. So off the back of launching the skills strategy, uh, just a short time after, um, we were able to successfully secure in early 2022 over around £176,000 worth of funding to upskill the workforce in Suffolk over an 18-month period, which was then called the Active Skills Project. Uh, and I'm pretty confident to say that if we hadn't got that skills strategy in place, we wouldn't have been able to secure the funding because it was key in that. Funders were from the Suffolk Growth Partnership through their Suffolk Inclusive Growth Investment Fund. So we got just over £73,000 from them, but a part of the um, the bid, we had to provide some match funding. So we had over £100,000 of match funding, which came from Sport England, Suffolk County Council, Simspa, through their Retrain to Retain programme, which provided those essential skills to upskill um, in those role-specific jobs, such as lifeguards, swim assistants, and swim teachers and personal trainers. So that was great. 
A large proportion of the funding allowed us to specifically upskill the workforce in long-term health conditions. So part of the, the bid, I think the Suffolk Growth Team were really looking at how the benefits on the wider community and the growth of the economy. So we were able to provide a lot of funding for level four qualifications. And we also upskilled in mental health and behaviour change and specifically around CPD and like engaging those inactive communities, which was a big part that came out of the All of this came out of the skills strategy, those gaps with the training needs analysis with the employers. Over the course of the project, um, we actually trained 260 unique individuals in 355 skills qualifications. So we smashed our target. I think the target was 304. So it was great. So we were actually able to get more for our money in a way from doing other things and being a bit more innovative. Um, we worked with a number of local leisure operators such as Abbeycroft Leisure, Ipswich Borough Council, Everyone Active and Places Leisure, as well as we have quite a lot of freelance instructors in Suffolk that we work with. And the way the, way the project worked is the Active Skills Project funded 75% of the training and then to get the sort of the commitment and buy-in the employers or the instructors would then pay for the 25 percent so obviously they're still having to invest but like a level four qualification is like five six hundred pounds so they were only paying like 130 so for them it was it was really really well good investment um, it was this is the first time we've received significant funding to upskill the workforce um, and it came at an ideal time for the sector as the sector was obviously looking to recover from the damaging impact of the pandemic where like Insight, I think, nationally told us that 48% of the workforce le left the sector during COVID. And actually in Suffolk alone, this was reported to be as high as 60% in some leisure operators. So obviously that created huge skills, staff shortages, sorry, and a uh, sector really struggling to recruit. Yeah, so it's been, it's been really positive. With some really key stakeholders, you've, you've talked about your work that's there, and particularly, obviously, you know, focus on the workforce and upskilling. Uh, those that that work either for those key stakeholders, but can you tell us who the project then um, supported uh, specifically, and then what was the impact for them? For example, maybe some of the communities they're working in, and what's the impact there? Yeah. Um, so throughout the duration of the project, we um, collated some impact surveys because obviously you need to monitor the impact and evaluation of of the project. And we collected these surveys from both the course participants, so those sort of instructors or employees that had attended the courses, and also people that had then benefited from that training, so people that had attended classes from those instructors that had been upskilled. And we had some really excellent responses from everybody, which strongly demonstrated that the impact of the funding that had had on the overall health and wellbeing of the local community, particularly those suffering from long-term health conditions, and also benefiting the knowledge and skill levels of those people undertaking the training. So 100% of the instructors or employees that were surveyed, the process said that the training had led to improvements in the quality of their delivery and also their confidence to advocate physical activity and deliver physical activity, which is brilliant. Mm. So found that the, through the surveys that the um, training has had a really positive impact on attracting new clients and new mm. participants, particularly to long-term health condition, cardiac rehab, cancer rehab classes. And those who completed the survey at the end of the project, there was already 376 new participants attending sessions. And since that time, we've also reached out again because the project finished in September. And I've spoken to some of the um, our clients and instructors. Uh, and we've also found out that they, they've 
even more new participants are attending their classes. So it really shows how the investment has really helped to support those local communities, and particularly those with long-term health conditions. As part of the project and the impact and evaluation report that we did, we also talked to employers and instructors and participants to see how the investment had really benefited them. So one of our key employers, Abby Croft Leisure, stated how invaluable the Active Skills project had been in supporting them from the recovery of the pandemic. So not only did the investment allow their business to support their existing workforce, but also offered amazing opportunities for new, often entry-level employees to immediately gain that greater knowledge, skills and the confidence that they needed to succeed. One thing that they did say um, is that the greatest impact of the project was seen within the health and wellbeing services. So the project supported the emerging growth in that area and allowed their business to respond to the demand and realise the opportunities, particularly from the falls and fatality programmes to delivery of classes in care homes across West Suffolk, which I'll cover in a bit more detail in a minute. And the project also allowed them to upskill their teams at pace and respond to demands as they developed. I think they said to me it's fair to say that their workforce is far stronger as a result of this project, which is great to hear. We also had really positive feedback from our other leisure operators, so Ipswich Borough Council and also everyone active. As well as talking to employers, we also talked to participants who had attended some of these long-term health condition rehab classes from the newly qualified instructors. And they all said how beneficial the expert knowledge was with setting up and delivering specific sessions, both so for the pre and post surgery. So one comment I really liked um, from one of the cancer patients she said that the, the session that she'd had with one of our instructors was more beneficial than counselling. So I think they rock up to a session and they do their activity, but they're also able to talk to these people. And the instructor that I'm talking about, he received level four cancer rehab, as well as the level four mental health training. So he was able to combine both the knowledge from both of those courses to really support this individual. And I think a lot of the cancer patients have said that the one-to-one the -one training had really helped them to regain control of their lives because obviously that comes dictate, dictated by appointments, chemo, surgery, and it's also massively benefited their mental health. Another cancer patient, just lastly I'll touch on, who she actually used to be a professional hockey player, so she had to stop playing, obviously, um, to go through gruelling cancer treatment, which took up a lot of her time and her energy. But following the rehab sessions with one of our cancer rehab and mental health trained instructors, she's built up her strength again and has now been selected to play hockey for Ireland once again and the East of England. So that was that was amazing and it makes you realise that the job that you do is really worthwhile when you hear stories like that, it's amazing. So. Yeah, absolutely. I think those those stories really bring it to life, the impact that, yeah, oh, totally, that the yeah. project's had, doesn't it? And yeah, some amazing stories there. Um, you can listen to part two of Thomas Susanna's conversation in the next edition of The Cast. In the meantime, if you'd like to find out more about the impact of Active Suffolk's work, please visit www.activesuffolk.org. So today on the cast, I'm delighted to um, welcome back Phil Wright, who's Simspur's Head of Insight and Business Transformation. Phil's joined us I think uh, at least once on the on the cast to talk about some of the the work that we're doing around supporting members and the sector um, and and Phil's uh, agreed to join me today to talk about a really exciting project that 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 the Insight team's been working on and that we've been delighted to launch with um, support from our partners Sport England and Lightcast and Data City um, which is the Simspur Workforce Insight Report 2023. Thanks for joining us today Phil. No, an absolute pleasure, Annette. Thank you for inviting me. 
great great to, to have you back and, and be talking to you about um this this fantastic report which i think we released a, a couple of couple of weeks ago we were recording this podcast around the middle of, of november and we released it at the beginning of the month and we've had some some absolute phenomenal feedback and engagement with it so wanted to get you get you on the cast today phil to, to talk about the report for those that haven't um haven't come across it just just kind of set out for them what what the report is and why we do it and sort of the, the impact it, it can have across the sector. So can can we just start off by by talking a bit of backgrounds report, why why since we've done it, I know we've done reports in the past, but sort of what's different about this report and, and why it's it's so important to the sector. Yeah, so so I think what this report tries to do is really get uh, the 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 most comprehensive grasp of the workforce across sport and physical activity. I would say that it's a fair comment that as a sector, we've really struggled to get an accurate picture historically. Um, the report that we published back in 2020 was probably the first of its type at the scale that it really looked at in great detail, the professional workforce. Um, and it was almost by luck or by chance, I'd love to say design, but it was probably by chance that it just so happened to be pre-pandemic. And it really gave us that benchmark of the sector um, and the growth of the sector going into that point. And now sort of three and a bit years on, what we've been able to do is sort of compare and contrast and look at how all of the, of the different economic challenges have really impacted the workforce. Um, but we've added greater layers of detail this time around, including really uncovering um, in, in much finer detail the demographics, uh, the, the ethnic makeup of the, of the professional workforce, um, a far greater look at the different geographical nuances that exist up and down and across the UK, um, because it's so easy to sort of talk about sport and physical activity workforce in a sort of single way but actually it's so different in the different areas of the uk across the different home nations so we've really tried to to pay um, a good amount of attention to that uh, attention to that um yeah so it's um it's a much more detailed report this time and and certainly the feedback the early feedback that we've had over the last week or so publishing the report has been really really positive it, it it has been and, and I think you know um I, I'm a bit of a self-confessed data geek um and and certainly since since joining Sims but the, the thing I've been really wowed by with 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 this report but also the kind of wider insight work that, that you and the team are doing Phil is just the the breadth of coverage and and I think it's it's fair to say for, for anybody who is a bit of a data geek and, and is really around statistics and and kind of um ONS data and all, all that kind of um, thing is, you know, the, the data that, that we analyse and we include in, in our insight and, and this report is beyond sort of the, the, the sick and sock codes, the standard industry classifications and the standard occupational classifications that, that are kind of traditionally used because I think what, what, what you and the team have found Phil is that they, they aren't representative of, of our broad sector and the kind of how the sector's being measured um, in some of those classifications just isn't representative, particularly around um, those that that kind of are in self-employed or, or or kind of roles which which don't fall into those categories. Um, and I think that's that's so important with the work work that you do. And I know that's something that we've had some great feedback on. 
Yeah, absolutely. And um, yeah, going back to what we presented three years ago, um, it was very much built around the sick and sock classifications. Um, but what we've been able to do this time around is um, build on the, the definition of sport and physical activity um, that, that we've created over the last three or four years that is far more representative. And, you know, just to pull one stat out that's very much built on that definition is that we we can now see just how dominant our frontline roles are within sport and physical activity. I think it's around 62% of our workforce, professional workforce, are immediately customer facing, which which is a no great surprise, but it just gives us that hard evidence to really put the focus in the right areas. Yeah, most definitely. And and you know, really kind of important insight and we'll come on to kind of how how organizations whether they be employers whether they be sector partners whether they be education providers can can access and, and and use the report but you know i think i think that is things like that those bits of insight are so important when you know individuals that work in the sector those that are looking to come into the sector to work um and and also for employers and education providers as well that that need for those you know, maybe not technical skills, but but kind of skills that are um, are broader than that. The customer service skills, the problem solving skills, the people management skills, really, I think, do, do showcase the the kind of the the, the breadth of, of skills need. But also, I think, makes this a really attractive sector for people who are maybe looking for a career change as well. Um, yeah, I, th I think I think there are there are kind of a huge amount of value in 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 kind of the the insights that are being collected and presented. Yeah, one one of the just to build on that, one of the real positive um, bits of insight that we've seen through this report being pulled together is the real professionalisation of the sector from the employers. You know, it is becoming an an increasing demand of employers that that um, candidates for jobs do have professional recognition and from our perspective that's great because we're the professional body for the workforce and, and obviously we want people to be in Simsma membership but um, but it demonstrates that real intent from the employers that they want a professional workforce which you know helps everyone helps us all it helps add to that level of professionalism it creates that more um, substantial sort of career opportunity for people um, and and I think the report starts to do that is demonstrate all of the different opportunities that are out there you know whether someone's uh, you know in learning um, and undertaking a qualification to to step into a job or whether they're just thinking about a career what the report really provides is um, an accurate understanding of all of the different opportunities that are out there and up and down the country yeah so 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 valuable um you know for, for whatever i think stage people are at in their career but also those that do influence people with their career decisions whether it's employers um you know helping people think about how they progress within their own organization or, or kind of education providers um looking at kind of shaping shaping learning opportunities you, you touched earlier phil on the on the fact that the um report includes um you know, a lot of information on demographic who's working in the sector you know the the different characteristics of, of that and and has a has a equality and diversity lens on it kind of looking at the, the makeup of the workforce but also kind of where people are working and where there are skills needs um 
and and that kind of regional local um local agenda is, is becoming increasingly important you know just in the last week we've seen the announcement from sport england about investment in place-based delivery um really kind of targeting um areas of, of where people are less active um can you talk a little bit about how how kind of the the local data and and the the kind of the the insight into to regional breakdown is 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 helpful to to people working in different localities and also how it feeds into the work we're doing around local skills through our local delivery team yeah ab absolutely so i would say <clears throat> this might be overegging it slightly but the last third of the report certainly quarter is dedicated to the regional differences of the workforce of covering all of the home nations and the different regions within England as well. Um, it's it's such important data because what you can clearly see from one region to another is just the huge differences that do exist um, in both the the skills needs of that particular region or home nation and the makeup of the professional workforce as well. Um, uh, you touched on there just the the local skills work that that Simsbury is is doing, connecting um, the world of education, so our HE institutes um, and providers of education with employers, so that we can confidently build um, you know a more suitable uh, workforce in different regions. Um, and as you said, it sort of comes at a time where Sport England have made a huge announcement around sort of future investment and funding opportunities for that for that to be very much on a, a local basis. So we're working very closely with our local skills teams um, and our skills hubs to provide them with local data that can really inform very specifically to their region, um, the the local skills plans um, so that they can shape the curriculum, they can be confident of understanding what the op what the occupation op opportunities are within their region um, and just really connect the world of um, training and development to jobs and opportunities. Yeah, lo lo loads there for kind of uh, takeaways for employers, for education, providers as we said and, and and also kind of those kind of working strategically around the sector but also in different in different regions um around kind of economic development and and how the sector can really support the economic development of of, of the area just to to wrap up phil if, if you've got any more thoughts on on kind of how different um different organizations different individuals might might get value from the report and then if, if you have to just share how people can get involved and and get access to the report and also maybe engage with some of our other insight work yeah yeah absolutely so you know we're only just over a week after sort of publicizing it and this is something we're going to be listening to very closely um, to better understand the impact but even just in the last eight days or so um, we're already seeing that um, universities and training providers are using the information to shape their curriculum and better inform future students and learners um, which is brilliant because it gives them the ability to accurately portray what the sector is that they're navigating towards um, employers are starting to use the information to shape their learning and development plans for staff um, again which is great other organizations are talking about how it provides useful benchmarks to perhaps look at 
where they sit as an organization against national or regional sort of averages. So it's a bit of a comparison tool for benchmarking. Um, and other um, businesses have also sort of mentioned that they're using it to inform their strategic and business-based decisions to better, better understand the marketplace. Um, so yeah, a range of different people are using it in different ways, which is which is great. And that's exactly what we want and will continue to sort of work very closely. Um, in terms of accessing it, it is now freely available on the Simspur website. So you can either just go to the magnifying glass up in the top right and type Insight Hub, and that'll take you to the, the web page where it sits, or um, you can uh, go to the website uh, simsburcouk forward slash resources forward slash insight hyphen hub and, and that should take you to the right place and you'll be able to see a nice turquoise banner that says Simsburg 2023 Workforce Insight Report and you can just download it through there. That's that's great I'm, I'm sure I know we've had sort of hundreds of, of people kind of accessing the report um we've we've run some webinars for, for some of our partners and we've had huge engagement in in that and you know seeing from social media um responses that we've seen and, and through other channels as we've been sharing the report with with members partners etc you know i know there's been a huge amount of engagement and it's, it's just really great that, that i think the sector and, and those kind of working across the sector have got access to a a really detailed source of, of insight which you say will, will help with decision making planning and, and shaping um the sector going forward just just a final plug phil for anybody who wants to get involved in any of our insight work i know we've got some opportunities for um for kind of partners um across across kind of working in different areas of the sector to, to get more involved um how, how do people get in touch and find out more about the, the insight work that we're doing in general yeah, so so within the Insight Hub, there there's um, a wealth of other reports that is available. There's information on the sector definition that I referred to previously, um, and there's also a uh, a request for information form. So if anyone has perhaps specific questions on the workforce that they don't know the answer to and they want a little bit of support or help with, they can just submit that form. And I I would also say. Um, watch this space because we've got some great projects coming up. Um, one mentioned um, when Spencer, our chief strategy officer, launched the uh, strategy back in September, um, a research observatory. And um, as that starts to come to life, um, it is something that we're going to be engaging with organisations across the sector with. So, so definitely watch this space. But there are some bits and pieces on the website now that you can access. Yeah. That's that's great. And I'm sure people will, will be in touch. And yeah, there are lots of exciting um exciting projects coming along along the horizon all, all kind of involving um kind of our insight and data which which really is as i said as a bit of a data geek it's 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 really um great to have that rich depth of of, of data that, that we can really help people across the sector to make make informed decisions thanks so much for, for joining us phil um really really kind of looking forward to kind of seeing how different organizations um are using the insight report and, and maybe if you're happy to come back and talk to us on the cast in in a few months time really to kind of share some more uh, some more of the insight work but also maybe how how the report is is kind of 
continues to be used to to inform people's uh, directions and strategies. Yeah, that would be great. Thank you, Annette. Lovely. Thanks, Phil. Really pleased on this edition of the cast to be joined by uh, Mickey from our education team. And um, re- really kind of this is a really interesting one for me with, with, my, with my background um, working in education and also careers guidance. Was really excited when I started talking to Mickey a couple of months back about a project that um, she'd started working on around resources to support careers, information, advice, and guidance uh, in the sport and activity, physical activity sector. And um, it's it's a project that, that Mickey's been working on, as I say, for, for a few months now. And it's it's kind of all coming together now. And we're um, about ready to launch and go into pilot stage. So we've invited Mickey to come and talk to us here on the cast and tell us a little bit more about the project and what's happening, how people can get involved. Thanks for joining us today, Mickey. Hi, Annette. Thanks so much for having me on today. So, yeah, as already mentioned, my name is Mickey Ruggins and I'm a technical education officer here at Simspa. And I've been looking after all things further education and more recently the careers guidance. So I was recently tasked with the challenge to create a package of educational resources around careers guidance in the sport and physical activity sector um, with the idea of supporting education providers to better help their learners who are looking to start a career in this sector. And it's it's a much sought after resource. I know when I was at school, I was not aware of the array of opportunities in the sector, a sector which I was passionate about and knew I belonged in. And even up until the beginning of this year in 2023, when I left my role as a secondary PE teacher, when talking to the students on my sport courses, they had very limited knowledge on the huge scope of opportunities in this sector too. Um, and they were also hugely lacking in basic careers guidance awareness so I think we felt with this in mind and knowing that this was a common trend nationwide and also with the creation of the careers guidance course um, complemented this with the recent release of the careers guide for the sport and physical activities sector which was circulated in March um, and also our workforce insight report too because what's been really evident from both publications is that this sector is rapidly growing. In our fast-moving sector, new opportunities appear regularly, the pathways and learning opportunities connected to roles are always evolving, and we of course want to attract that new talent to evolve and grow too, whilst also ensuring that those who enter a career in the sector are well equipped to provide those high-quality services to everyone that wants to take part. So, I think we wanted to ensure that we were educating learners across the UK, um, that they were getting the knowledge, the skills, the behaviours needed to be successfully deployed into our sector and achieving, you know, Simspa's vision of shaping a recognised, value, valued and inclusive sport and physical activity sector that everyone can be a part of. And so the careers guidance course was born. It, it is a kind of a, a really uh, much needed um resource I think and and support I think you know we we work with a lot of of, of really experienced um, education professionals that have been delivering on the sport and physical activity curriculum for for some time um but I think I think kind of even they've have been kind of hanging on that point that, that, that you made there Mickey about the changes that happen in the sector the fact that it is growing really rapidly you know technology is changing how people do their jobs and the the different jobs roles that are available all the time as well as the the kind of progression routes, the training opportunities, the qualifications constantly changing and evolving, as you say. And I think that 
it is something that regardless of how long an educator has been working in the sector um, and working around the sector, I think that's that's really useful for their own their own development and giving them confidence to kind of help the the either young people that they're working with or or older career changers that are, are looking at the sector. And I think yeah. from from our perspective, where you know you touched on the workforce insights report, and I think as as we look kind of forward and look at kind of the shaping of 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 the workforce and what's needed by employers going forward, I, th- I think that opening up horizons and 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 helping those that are looking to to kind of work in the sector to understand the full breadth of roles is so important and doing some of that myth busting that you know not not every job is a coaching job or or a kind Absolutely. of a, a, a kind of a, a, a delivering and, and being um you know constantly involved in in physical activity there's there's a whole raft of roles and opportunities around the sector um so important so can you tell us a little bit more about um what you've been developing um, and how it's how it's kind of evolved and what what actually um, we're delivering with this project. Yeah, of course. So the careers guidance course consists of a set of educational resources um, which are intended to be delivered by staff, teachers, lecturers, careers advisors, ultimately anybody who works with learners who are interested in pursuing a career in the sport and physical activity sector. So in this package, staff who are looking to deliver this course to their learners will receive PowerPoint delivery sessions, they'll receive lesson plans, resources and activities to support the sessions, um, a student workbook and also a delivery guidance handbook. Um, And this course is divided into four one hour sessions. That's the idea behind it. So if we look at those sessions in a bit more detail, I'll give you a little brief overview. Session one looks at um, the different careers in the sport and physical activity sector. So that's finding out about the different roles and responsibility uh, responsibilities, sorry, which come under specific job titles, looks at um, local case studies of employers already in the sector and what it is about their job that they enjoy and what it entails. Um, and just really broadening learners' minds to the fact that this is a huge sector with an array of opportunities for them. Um, Session two then moves on to looking at national data and insights, so discovering the most common jobs advertised in the sector and what the average salaries are and also what it is that employers are really looking for when they are recruiting, with session three then really focusing on the um, local side of things, Um, so looking into the opportunities, the support and guidance from their local sector and employers in their own areas. Um, and then the final session unpicks the learners themselves, so provides them with lots of food for thought about being job ready. So here they'll be looking at CVs, application forms, interviews, career pathways, which are all umbrellaed by the importance of exercising their own knowledge, their own skills and behaviours to ensure that they are ready to enter a career in the sector, whilst also maintaining that professional professionalism sorry, and those high standards. Um, and that's really a whistle-stop tour of the course in a nutshell but it is worth noting that um, these sessions have been designed with engagement as a priority so within these sessions you'll find the usual learning outcomes the learning journeys active engagement strategies to underpin the theory that's being delivered to the learners um, as well as those important links to the Gatsby uh, Gatsby benchmark sorry too really is a comprehensive comprehensive resource um you, yeah. you did a, a session um for our local delivery team um introducing them to the resource uh, a couple of weeks back and i was i was kind of there for part of it and it from 
kind of thinking about how it could be applied in in that practical context it certainly was you know some really engaging activities um sort of I suppose you, you kind of in traditional context you say kind of icebreaker type type activities yeah. that get people um really kind of um ready to it to engage um through to kind of the the kind of detailed looking at, at, at some of the data but in in a really engaging engaging way and that being so important I think for 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 learners to be able to understand what the local job market actually looks like in the sector but you know particularly for colleges themselves and the the kind of the the devolution of skills funding and the the kind of looking to kind of local um responsiveness um and and meeting the local local skills agenda really important that 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 students have been equipped with that knowledge as well i think yeah absolutely um in terms of how people get involved mickey what what's what's the kind of next steps and and, and where where are we going with the project Okay, so um, the process to gain access to these resources is pretty straightforward. For all our current partners, this course is going to be complimentary, so completely free, and comes as one of your one of your partner benefits. Um, and all that needs to happen is the interest needs to be registered through our website under the Careers Hub section, um, where an expression of interest form will be filled out. Really takes literally two minutes um, and then once this has been received our end I'll be in touch to arrange a meeting to run through the expectations of delivery that will either be by myself or one of the local skills hub managers and then once this delivery training has taken place we will then grant access to the, the package to the resources um, the reason why we are insisting on delivery training and not just handing out these resources willy-nilly without any guidance at all um, is to ensure that there is a nationwide standardised approach to the delivery of this uh, careers guidance course. Um, and there are lots of bits of data and insight that would, would need explaining and properly unpicking so that it is delivered in the right way to the learners. Um, so, yeah, bas basically that doesn't it's not not too too much of a timely effort to uh, get get access to all these resources it's it, it's great and I'm, I'm sure there'll be uh there'll be lots of our partners that will be wanting to get in touch and, and get involved um and and kind of really kind of start to embed this with their students and, and helping them to make those really strong transitions whether it be into employment in the sector or onto higher education further learning beyond the current course Thanks so much for joining us today on the cast, Mickey, and talking to us about this really exciting project. I'm sure you'll be back um, in the coming months to tell us a little bit more about it, how it's going and um, some of the impact that we're seeing. Yeah, definitely. I'd love to. We've got three. We're, we're piloting this with three colleges, actually. So um, it'll be great to get some feedback from them and hopefully I'll be able to inform you all how that's that's been going. So, yeah, no, thank you so much, Annette. Thank you for your time today. Thanks, Mickey. Cheers. Bye. On this edition of the cast, I'm absolutely delighted to be joined by Sarah Byrne from our education team. Thanks for joining us, Sarah. Yeah, no problem, Annette. Looking forward to it. Um, and um, really, really excited about what we're going to talk about today. Um, I've got a bit of a background of, of working in further education colleges, as I know you have, Sarah. And um, since we've been doing some great work um, with, with FE colleges right around the country, but we're... Um, Moving into kind of a new phase of that now, and we're about to launch our new um, partner offer for um, FE colleges and um, really kind of looking at ways that they can support their learners um, who are on sport and physical activity related courses and um, 
that in terms of their their kind of full qualification um, provision, but also their other types of provision. Really, really exciting time for us. Do you want to just talk us a little bit through what we're what we're doing now and um, how that fits into the the FE landscape, please, Sarah? Yeah, of course. So. I with a background in FE myself, very, very much invested in this and excited to see how uh, FE colleges are going to work with uh, the professional body for the sector. So having worked in FE, I used to teach qualifications where potentially they were not fit for the sector or they weren't allowing learners to go away and be employed. So get, get those jobs that are in high demand. Essentially, they had to do extra training or they had to go on to university and it to enable some of those further opportunities so we've been working very closely with a couple of colleges through some pilot work that we've done over the last couple of years and it's all about being responsive to the local employers and what their needs are so we have the local skills team they're the local delivery team currently currently out on the road now we've we've got about 15 i think there are and they are connecting with those employers and, and really finding out the nitty gritty about where the skill shortages are, where the gaps are. And then we are connecting it with those further education colleges that are the hub in the area. They're that, that key place where people should be looking um, to improve and upskill themselves. So we're going back to those colleges who we've been working with and giving them the information and the data to say, this is what employers want and these are the needs and how can you be responsive and amend your curriculum offer to make sure that it's reflective of, of what the what the needs and the priorities are going forward. And I guess that's that leads me on nicely to who we have worked with um, with Vision West West Not Nottinghamshire College. They then took that data and uh, created a level two simps per professional qualification. So that included uh, qualifications like lifeguard. It had a gym instructor and a coaching pathway. So we were making sure we're, we're covering the, you know, the broad range of uh, uh, careers in the sector, not just focusing on one industry area. And then those learners were connected with the employers as well. So not only the skills, uh, the local delivery team going out doing the skills diagnostics, but we're also then bringing them into this this hub, this network to make sure we're connecting the dots and the employers are offering work placements, really valuable placements for learners to go and be deployed and get that real life world experience, which employers are telling us that students are lacking when they come to them. So that's one of the routes that we've been working on. They now have a level three offer as well. So it's all about employability. Um, of course, there's still the value in, in learners that want to progress and go into HE. There's got to be another offer as well for those learners that want to go straight into the world of work. Yeah, it, it is It is kind of so important to have that um, that, that range of options, I, I think. And and certainly you know, what what we see um is we we kind of get kind of inquiries reasonably regularly um usually from parents um of of um of somebody who's been been studying um of course whether it be at college and in some cases at university kind of asking how their son or daughter can can progress from their, their qualification and that there is occasions when when we kind of do have to kind of highlight that you know the the 
the learning that's been undertaken isn't isn't endorsed and therefore for a lot of employers that that is something that they wouldn't accept as as a qualification necessarily because it's not endorsed and and the 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 work that we do with employers through our um professional development committees and boards and, and also through our local skills work as you say is is so important to kind of helping learning providers fe colleges to tailor their curricula to what's needed in the workplace um and and that's kind of part of that um endorsement or accreditation of of learning yeah exactly that so of course we've we've got a, a suite of professional standards some professional standards that are employer-led they're created by the employers um like you mentioned there they're developed by the committees and the boards so we don't just leave them to sit on the shelf we come we come back and look at them and make sure that they're still fit, fit for purpose and for future changes as well so recently we've been looking at the changes in technology and how that's going to influence the, the future of the delivery of the workforce. So we're, we're constantly making sure that they they are um, what we call fit for purpose. And it, where something is Simpsburg endorsed, it means it's against one of those professional standards and you know you're getting the, the best quality learning that, that you can get. Yes, that um, that quality of, of provision um, and which is for, for any kind of um, qualificational piece of learning CPD that's 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 kind of endorsed there is that ongoing quality assurance and and we've we've spoken to to your colleague Tash on 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 previous podcasts about the quality assurance framework that we put in place and and it is about quality but but that kind of portability into the workplace which is which is so important in terms of um colleges that that are working with us or or that are um, looking to work for us what what are the benefits are to to them and their students um in in rounded terms in in terms of that partnership and what it gives them and and what it enables them to do for their learners yeah so i i've actually just got back from scotland so we've been myself and my colleague megan have been delivering uh, a few sessions to our fe partners up the, up the north on what simsper is and who we are and how we support the workforce and something we spoke a lot about is is being recognized as professionals and that's what what we are striving to do at Simpsburg is make sure that you have the recognition you deserve and as a student you still want that from the get-go of your career you've got the support from from your professional body from starting all the way through your career and we can help support you on which pathway you might want to go down and also of course as a chartered institute we we hold that everybody should strive towards that you know um status of achieving that chartered status and that's something else that we spoke about quite a lot which i was surprised about and how um important that was to young people and even just starting their career they're already thinking about how they want to achieve the best that they can be um, so, of course, professional recognition, huge part of being um, part of the Simspur network. Another part is that that local data. You, you really do get the nitty gritty of the, the insight of what's happening in your area and the connection to those local employers as well. I, I completely understand from being in that boat of not having the time to connect to those employers, even when they're on my doorstep. Simpson's going to go out and do that work for you. So connect to it and then student membership so 
um, as a Simpsburg FE partner, you'd get a, a, a discounted rate for your membership uh, for the learners if they're on an endorsed program. So where they they're already on an award and organisation recognised qualification, you can bring your learners into Simpson membership. And one of the biggest benefits that I always think back to, which would have been great for my students, is we have uh, the Simpson Academy, which has got over 1,400 pieces of learning on there. And it, it's great to help with those soft skills and really just add that extra bit of oomph to your, to your students' CVs. Yeah, there is there is so much in there and and just through access to, to to kind of the academy but but also the other resources and and publications that um simspur has um and provides that there is kind of so much professional development um support there but also knowledge and knowledge of some of the nuances of the the sector and um you know, new things that are evolving and developing, which is which is helpful to 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 learners, but also to curriculum development, curriculum delivery staff who who maybe want to enhance their own knowledge, and in particularly some of those health um, related projects that we've we've been involved in prehab, um, you know, recovery um, type type projects, and and also some of the the professional standard. Um, specialisms around technical knowledge safeguarding etc but also around particular participant types and environments you know the, the, the women and girls yeah standard. I know sure. we, we, we're doing some quite specialized work within the college setting at the moment um, looking at that yeah we are we, we actually have a pilot running um, just in, into the new year with a, an organization called the well HQ so we're looking to support the teachers, the lecturers, those that are delivering to students, not necessarily even just sports students, but those that interact with and could have the, you know, the opportunity to influence anybody getting active. Um, it's a pilot course for 50, 50 teachers and it's a, it's going to be three and funded through us. So, yeah, we've, we've put that out to the network. It's been really positively received and, you know, we look forward to seeing how that that impacts it it is kind of you know some great great opportunities that 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 we we offer and and sort of our, our FE partners and and the colleges that that we work with are are kind of a real um real great ground um for us to work with in terms of inspiring those people who are um just entering the sector um for the first time and looking to build a career we, we we talked a little bit about local skills and, and we're recording this podcast on the day that um, the DfE announcement has come out about the um, local skills improvement funding and the colleges that are on that list to receive um, a, a share um, of, of the funding, 165 million. Do you, do you just want to explain, sorry, how we are through our local delivery team and, and our work with with education partners, how we are connecting um, with that local skills need and 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 making sure that our education partners, including colleges, are really connected into what employers in the sector are looking for, but but also other other kind of agendas within localities that that we can support communities with. Yeah, 100 percent. You you mentioned it before um, and I think I touched on it as well, is that 
of course, we've we've typically worked as a, as education providers quite nationally and, and not really bespoke. So actually, every region and every area has its own flavour, if you like, and has its own priorities. So having that local skills improvement fund really um, designated to to those colleges and those areas means that hopefully employers are going to be able to get ups upskill their learn you know the people that work for them so we're not just talking about 16 to 19 we're also talking about adult education and making sure that actually 165 million pound is being well spent on on education especially in our sector um we all know because we work in the sector or have worked in the sector the influence and the impact that sport and physical activity can have but some of some of the time that isn't seen as a high priority. So we're we're working on things like health and um, making sure that we've got those connections where we can support. Um, whether that's making sure there's longevity in in the economy. You know, we know that um, people are living a lot longer, so therefore are are having to work a lot longer. So we need to keep them healthy. We need to keep them active in in the community so the funding will hopefully be able to plug some of those skills gaps but also allow us to connect better with other um i would say other sector specific priorities as well so sustainability making sure we're working with public health um to really ensure that every region is is getting the best that they can yeah, it, it is. It is such, a, such an important piece of work, and I, and I think you know the the great work that that you and your colleagues in the, in the education team have been doing with the likes of of Vision West Knotts and and Loughborough College and and other um, partner colleges with with some pilot work um, over the last few years really does put um, us in a great position to make sure that the sport and, and physical activity sector has got that platform when it when it comes to kind of looking to to kind of harness a share of that of that funding um and and as you say the the kind of active communities and supporting that but also the the economic impact in terms of what um what really is 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 there for for kind of people who are looking for a career maybe a um a, a new career direction and and to kind of change career or 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 kind of update their skill set yeah and we were we were fortunate to be to be one of the partners involved in the local skills uh, trailblazer that was that took place in Leicester, Leicestershire and Leicester so we did work closely with uh, Loughborough College and the East Midlands Chamber and a number of other partner colleges as well and that was around looking at how they could um, access a pot of cash, which was called the Strategic Development Fund, and they could develop training to make sure they were servicing the area. And that's exactly what Loughborough have gone away and done is created a bank of resources and um, training that is is suitable for those local employers. And that's that's really what what we hope goes on in other areas as well that the colleges really become that hub and they can connect with other local providers as well in the area where they maybe don't have you know the, the right skill set but other local training providers do so we can connect them all 
yeah it, it's 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 really is about that collaboration and and connectivity just to, to finish up sorry if um if there's anybody um listening to this who um is working in, in an fe college um or in fact any any kind of um training organization or, or learning and development organization who wants to get in touch to find out a little bit more about what we do and potentially look at, at partnerships and the benefits for their their learners or students how do they how do they get in touch or find out more yeah, that, that'd be great. You can you can catch us on fe-partners at simspa.co.uk. We're also going to have a little landing page on the website, which will be specifically tailored for our FE partners. So we welcome any sort of inquiry you want to connect with us. That would be great. That's lovely. Um, thank you so much for, for, for joining us. Sorry, I know it's, it's really busy. You've, you've, as you say, you've just got back from um, a really great visit um, to our uh, college college partners in um in scotland um so really appreciate you taking the time to update us on where we are um with with fe work on the cast um and look forward to catching up with you maybe um in the new year um to find out kind of how how the development work's going great stuff thanks annette we hope you enjoyed this edition of the cast from simspa look out for the cast extra with in-depth conversation about innovative work taking place in the sector if you'd like to get involved with future podcasts, please get in touch.